This podcast is brought to you by AJ Bell and Shares Magazine. Shares Magazine is published by AJ Bell Media, part of AJ Bell. Hi, welcome back to Money and Markets, where we look at all the financial news of the past week and work out what it means for you. I'm Laura from AJ Bell, and with me is Dan from Shares Magazine. Hi. Today, we're going to look at how companies are preparing for Brexit, the biggest rises and fallers in the markets this week, whether you should get an annuity or go into drawdown, and why we've all just got our biggest pay rise in 10 years. That sounds like good, doesn't it? So joining us this week is Tom from AJ Bell, a senior analyst. Hello. So, Dan, we once did a pledge to do a Brexit-free podcast, but I think that's mm-hmm. going to be completely ruined by the next segment that you've suggested. Uh and to be fair, we've already failed many times on that front. So the Brexit klaxon is going to go off quite a few times in the next <laughs> segment. I've got exciting news. We've got an actual klaxon. Are you excited? Yes, please. Can okay. we hear it? <laughs> so every very time you mention Brexit, it's coming on. It's <laughs> a wonderful addition. Very, a wonderful very cool. addition. The star of the podcast, I think we can agree. <laughs> so you're now talking about an interesting trend that you've noticed in companies and how they're dealing with the big B. See that's how we avoided it there? Yeah. <laughs> I think at some point we all have to talk about Brexit. We can't we can't deny <laughs> <laughs> Is this whole segment about Brexit? Because <laughs> if it is, this is gonna take a long, long time. <laughs> we can't deny that Brexit isn't happening and you're certainly seeing it with quite a lot of companies at the moment. So the one that's perhaps caught my eye this week and, and perhaps caught the attention of quite a lot of other people is is a cold storage firm in Wales. Um, it says it's run out of room in its warehouse. Really? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it said the food industry for the last four months has been stockpiling loads of stuff like cakes and desserts and even mozzarella sticks. Um, <laughs> I think it just doesn't want to get caught out by not having yeah. the, the sort of the raw materials to to um, supply in the future because it clearly sees that there's going to be potential interruption early next year um, if we can't get a proper Brexit deal sorted out by then. And you're seeing it with quite a lot of companies on the stock market. They're sort of sneaking the odd things out like Premier Foods, which is perhaps best known as the owner of um, of Mr Kipling and Bisto. They were talking about it the other day, planning to stockpile stuff. Uh, Finsbury Food, which makes loads of cakes for supermarkets, and it's been talking about it's going to have to find new supplies of eggs. Um, it's, you know, it's quite it's quite interesting, and you know, potentially it's, it's good news for some companies and bad news for some other ones. So I don't know, Tom, have you been stockpiling baked beans? I just haven't in case? stockpiled anything yet, but it all is getting very real now, isn't it? All of a sudden, I feel like the the last last two years has been a bit of a bit of a B word haze. Uh, whereas, whereas now companies are actually having to to do stuff. But no, I've not made any provisions. I don't know about you, Laura. No, I haven't. I feel woefully underprepared now. Although most of the things you mentioned there are cake based, so <laughs> I, are they worried that people are just going to suddenly run out of cake and that's what's going to break Britain? Uh, cake is quite important to a lot of people, actually. No, true. Um, but have yeah. we seen it in any other industries? I mean, I know we'd heard previously about medicines being stockpiled, but outside of food, have you heard any other companies making these uh, announcements? That's right. I mean, AstraZeneca and Sanofi have been talking about stockpiling medicines, but um, yeah, perhaps more importantly to quite a lot of this, uh, the UK population is beer is one so heineken's been talking about sort of having to look at its capacity to store stuff um and you've got yeah yeah i mean there are lots of industries looking at this but on the flip side you've got to look at people like haulage companies who seem to be having um, a bit of a heyday now they get they're getting excited because they're stockpiling all this stuff on behalf of customers 
but they're really worried about having the right permit in order to be able to travel into the EU once the Brexit rules come into place. Um, there's a there's a magic bit of paper apparently called the ECMT license, which you're going to need if you're a haulage company. Mm. Um, now we're told that they're sort of given out on a on a sort of a lottery basis. So for for UK, there's only going to be less than four thousand permits available, which is less than ten percent, which is required. So um, you know, there's some big fears about what what haulage companies going to be doing. You know, are they actually going to be turning down business because they don't think they're going to be able to deliver it? And so do you think this is actually something, in all seriousness, that shareholders should be looking at? So when they're looking at certain companies, should they be asking questions or looking for declarations about preparedness for Brexit or potential disruptions to business? Definitely. I mean, there's some clear impacts that you do need to think about. So if, if you're stockpiling loads of material, essentially that's cash tied up in working capital. Now, how does that cash, could that have been used for something else? Um does that going to affect dividends? Does it about the ability to pay down debt? And of course, some people perhaps argue that's a short-term issue about uh, the working capital situation. But it's something to be aware of. Um, there's the risk of unsold stock down the line. You know, are, are people stockpiling too much? Mm. Um, what about if you're going to have to bring in stuff from overseas and pay more to these haulage companies to get them across? Uh, that's your, your price of baked beans could go up. So perhaps, Tom, you should be stuffing your face now. Or not stuffing your face, but uh, <laughs> getting ready to stuff your face down the line. Um, and, you know, also for the transport companies to say, can, can they, they want they want to do business, people want them, but can they fulfil the contract? So um, I reckon it could be a bit of a problematic area to watch in the new year. And so then away from these kind of stockpiling issues, how have the markets been this week? We've obviously had a week where there's been big Brexit... <laughs> announcement <laughs> smoothly done um and so how has that affected markets at the moment uh well in the at the time of recording this podcast we didn't have the information no. on what's happening with um Therese may and the cabinet but actually the market has been treated to some quite big companies reporting and in a sense that's been driving the market a bit more than, than the dreaded b word um you've had astrazeneca's share price has been up 10 percent the last week third quarter earnings went down very well um, earnings are forecast to start improving from 2019 um, and Vodafone which is a, a widely held stock by retail investors for income now its shares were up five percent in a week and there's a big relief there that the dividend hasn't been cut um, but I think there's some other bigger problems with that business that the new CEO Nick Reed's been pointing to because he, he's been talking about needs to do better at business, have a leaner operating model, generate stronger returns from its assets. So, so whilst you've got a bit of you know, your steady cash going in your pocket from dividends, um, there are other things to be aware of with Vodafone. Um, perhaps down in the dumps in the markets has been British American Tobacco on the on the talk that the US could actually ban menthol cigarettes, what that might mean for its earnings. But there is one thing that did catch my eye for the markets this week, which may not have been picked up by the broader public. Um, there's a healthcare firm called BTG. Its shares were up 11%. Um, Say, so Laura, can you guess why its shares were up so much in the week? Is this back to stockpiling? We've got to get you off Brexit. No, it's not. Nothing to do with Brexit, thankfully. Tom, any, any clues? BTG? Yeah. I don't think I could guess. Okay, I'll tell you. It's to do with snakes. <laughs> oh, of course, naturally. 
its its sales have really benefited from selling snake bite anti venom. Um, Is this because loads of people have got pet snakes? Now? No, it's it's all linked to the hurricane season because apparently oh. when when you see big storms coming your way, loads of people in certain parts of the world get they, they panic because they think actually. Um, all the high winds will bring and transport snakes into your local area and they're what? worried about getting bitten. So You have uh, literally made this up. This <laughs> no, is not true. true. I haven't, I haven't. So actually, it, 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 they've been... Stop- well, they had to talk about stockpiling. They have been loading up on BTG's anti-venom drugs. There you go. So it was stockpiling in the end, but just a different kind so of stockpiling. So I was right. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, is this just a small blip then? When snake season is over? Snake season is over. It's back to normal. Mm. Um, no, no. I think I think they must have other things that they do. But quite frankly, I was only really interested in this. <laughs> Incredibly Fair. seasonal business. Fair. <laughs> um, so obviously with uh, other things going on in the market, since pension freedoms were launched a couple of years ago, uh, the number of people opting to use their pension pot to buy an annuity has plummeted. But we're wondering, is that is that changing at all? Tom's got some information, but actually, it might be first, before you talk mm. about this, can you just give us a back-to-basics uh, overview? What exactly is an annuity? And also, what, what's drawdown? They seem to be sure. talked about together. Yep, yep, so they are. So an annuity is just when you take your pension pot and you take it to an insurance company, and that insurance company will turn that pot of money into a guaranteed income for life. So you may get inflation protection with that. You may get a spouse annuity, uh, so where, where your spouse will get a 50% pension alongside your pension, but it's a guaranteed income that won't, that, that won't alter or ch- fluctuate with investment markets for the rest of your life. When you go into drawdown, your money stays invested. So rather than giving it to an insurance company, you keep the money for yourself and you'll invest it in stocks and shares and funds and things like that. Then that but then you can decide exactly how much of your money you want to take each year throughout the rest of your retirement. So you can flex your money a little bit more with drawdown, whereas with an annuity, it's a little bit more secure, but there's less flexibility to have the kind of income that you want and change that income from one year to another. And it's probably worth recapping here that the pension freedoms, which I think Mm. we've mentioned before, um, they basically meant that people didn't have to buy an annuity with their pension pot and far more people could just keep the money invested, keep it in drawdown. and, And then at the time people had kind of called that that would be the the death of the annuity so yeah. what's actually happened since then and and what's happened more recently with yeah annuities? so you're right so the vast majority of people did buy an annuity before the pension freedoms happened you could go into drawdown then but most people didn't post pension freedoms that's all flipped around so i think about two people go into drawdown now for every one person who's bought an annuity and it's it's quite interesting because it, clearly the pension freedoms is talked about as this kind of watershed moments where annuities went off a cliff in a bad way and drawdown kind of came to to the fore but the problems that annuities have had have happened over years and years over the past decade or so because um, the because uh, gilt yields so the, because of uh, quantitative easing slightly complicate kind of background to this but because of quantitative easing the price of government gilts has increased significantly since 2008 and as a result the yields on those gilts have gone down now that matters for annuities because insurance companies will price their annuity business based on gilt yields. So they have to buy a kind of guaranteed income stream to support the guaranteed income streams that they're going to give to people through annuities. So as gilt yields have gone through the floor over the past 10 years, so have annuity rates as as well. So while the pension freedoms were kind of a a tipping point, the the problem that annuities have had for over a long period of time isn't just 
their lack of flexibility. The problem has been that rates have just been plummeting as a result of factors that aren't actually necessarily in insurers' control. Now, there were other issues in relation to annuities, so people not buying products that were that match their health. So if you've got a health issue, for example, and you buy an annuity, then you should be able, by answering a load of questions, you should be able to get a better rate than you would get otherwise. So that's kind of the background to where annuities are now. But we've seen a bit of an uptick in rates recently. So yields have picked up just a little bit, and annuity rates have come up a little bit as well. So we're now getting people asking the question, is now the time to think again about buying an annuity or going into drawdown? Now, I'd say to anyone who's making those kind of decisions, it's I, th- I, th- I think, look, look, obviously, the rate is incredibly important to people, but you, yeah, you have because to Because just to be clear, the rate is the amount of money, annual income you can get each year for your yeah, pot size. Yeah, yeah exactly. So so as an, as an example, back in, uh, I've got a little chart here. So back in uh, 2008, you could have, if you were, if you had £100,000, 65-year-old, if you, got, if you were healthy and you bought a single life annuity, so just for yourself, you might have been able to get about £8,000 a year in income. If you got to go right to the bottom of the market, so May 2016, that same person would only get able to get about £4,700 in income. So a huge Pretty drop. Pretty dramatic yeah. drop. But we've seen a little bit of an increase in recently, so to just over £5,000, £5,500. So that would be why people are potentially thinking about this um, again. But I think when, you, when you're thinking about buying uh, a retirement product or going into drawdown, you need to think more about what your income needs are. So clearly, guilt yields will do what they do. And it's hard for people. To, people don't have any control over that. People haven't got a crystal ball to look into the future. So you just have to consider your own personal circumstances, your own spending needs, and your own appetite for risk as well. Clearly, if you're going to buy an annuity, then you probably don't want to take much risk. So if you're a very risk-averse investor, you don't want the fluctuations, the ups and downs of stock markets, then an annuity might be appropriate for you. And it might have been appropriate for you over a long period of time. What's happened to the rates wouldn't really have necessarily made a huge difference to that. Equally, if you want to allow your pot to grow and you want a bit more flexibility and you perhaps want to pass money on to loved ones when you're no longer around, then drawdown might be a more uh, appropriate solution for you. So it just depends on exactly what your circumstances are. I think for a lot of people, sorry, I'm going on here a bit, but I think for a lot of people, um, the the right solution will be a combination of the two. So it'll be a case of making a budget, deciding exactly how much money you want to spend each year in retirement if you've got specific things that are always going to be going out, so things like a mortgage payment, um, food bills and all that kind of stuff. If you've got a secure income for that with a state pension and perhaps a little bit of annuity on top, and then you might be able to think about taking some risk in drawdown on top of that. But it's all about your own own personal circumstances and how you want to do it yourself. And you talk, you touched there briefly on the fa- on kind of passing money on to mm-hmm. loved ones. Has that been a big driver of drawdown, and and why is drawdown better for that? So, so, so it's one of the um, one of the big advantages of drawdown now is that you, you there is a very tax efficient way of uh, passing on money to loved ones when you're no longer around. So, um, the changes they, they were probably less talked about actually than the um, the pension freedoms, but changes introduced alongside the pension freedoms back in April 2015 meant that anybody who dies before age 75 and has any unused money in their drawdown pot, that money can be passed on tax-free to whoever their beneficiaries are. If they die after 75, then it's passed on at the beneficiary's marginal rate of income tax. So that's quite a generous system, and it replaces an old system where people were sometimes penalised by 50 or even 55% tax on that money. So that's 
one of the reasons that people have moved towards drawdown, but another clearly is, is having that flexibility of income. So I mentioned the fact that with an annuity, you've got this guaranteed stream of income. So that's very good if you're um, if you know exactly what money you're going to be spending and you want the safe the safety and security of knowing that that you know, your money is going to be coming in the same way every month. But with drawdown, one of the advantages for some people is that they can move their move their spending up and down depending on what they want. So a lot of people, for example, if you're retiring at say 60 or 65 you might think you're going to be a bit more active then. So a lot of people will decide they're going to spend a little bit more money in those early years of retirement and then spend a little bit less as they move through retirement, as perhaps they slow down, but maybe they pay off their mortgage and things like that. So it's a que- it's a question of uh, allowing you to tailor your spending to what your lifestyle needs are and what you need to spend the money on. So with Drawdown, you can tailor it. With an annuity, clearly it's just a straight line of income that won't change regardless of your own personal circumstances and so obviously for people who are still in in work at the moment mm. actually there's been been a bit of good news in terms of um pay rise or, or certainly sort of um, oh. wage rate so laura can you tell us all about what's going on yep so wage growth um which is measured across the country is a, a 10-year high so that's great isn't it very nice yeah so it hit 3.2 percent um, and this is actually the highest rate that it's been since the last three months of mm. 2008, so an almost 10-year high. Um, and what's particularly crucial is that, that that 3.2% is a kind of absolute figure. But when you take into account inflation, it's above inflation pay rise because inflation is at about 2.4% at the moment. And this is something that over the recent years, particularly not so much that whole 10-year period, but the past few years, we've definitely seen wages growing at a slower rate than inflation, mm. which means kind of an effective pay cut for everyone. So this is a, a bright spot of good news. Does it feel like we're all rich and spending loads of money because if all the retail companies are complaining that uh the high streets are mm. difficult and stuff so may- maybe people's wages are going up but the the actual amount that they they earn is perhaps not as still not as much as perhaps everyone wants i think that's always gonna be the case isn't yeah it? exactly and i think some people when these figures came out kind of hailed it as it going to be a bit of a rescue for the high street and for retailers particularly as we come up to christmas and they thought great people are going to be feeling richer they're going to have seen this wage growth and they're going to rush out and spend it i think um that's probably slightly unrealistic it might give a little bit of a boost it might mean that people when they come to christmas if they have seen this pay rise because obviously these are average figures it's not that everyone's been handed this um if they are feeling a, a, a bit more flush with the cash they might go and spend more but i think probably what's more realistic is people will be paying down some of their debt Mm. um or they will be so conscious of the fact that wages haven't been good over the past few years that they'll want to kind of keep hold of that money and dare i say it maybe save some money as we have a terrible savings ratio in this country yeah it's been such a long period of um stagnation in wages as well hasn't there so the fact that we've reached in a period where there's where wages are now finally uh, increasing slightly above prices isn't necessarily going to see people kind of dancing on the rooftops or feeling particularly rich because there's been a long period of time where actually a lot of people have seen their salaries either increase by quite a miserly amount or not increase at all. Yeah. And one of the good things that, that's driving these figures is that um, unemployment has fallen. We saw a slight um, uptick in it this month, but broadly unemployment has fallen to its lowest levels um, for decades. And so that's what's ultimately started driving these wage figures mm. back up because um, it's harder to find employees to work. And so then you ultimately have to pay them more. It's kind of a basic supply and demand, isn't it? Yeah. So let's let's hope that the dreaded B word doesn't uh, <laughs> muck things up for the country because, it, it you know, I guess there's... there's 
the country looks like it's in not too bad a shape in certain parts. Um, so we'll we'll see. Well, I have but, just I have just checked uh, checked on the BBC website, and as of twenty seven minutes past four, there is no update on Brexit. So we are all fine. Purely a way to get the klaxon in one more time. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening this week. And thanks to everyone who sent in suggestions for future topics for us to cover. If you've got any ideas or comments, please do email us at podcast at ajbell.co.uk. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor. The podcast talks about various money issues. Just don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. You should also recognise that how an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future and that tax rules apply.